for wrapping up our missions month. And what we're trying to accomplish this month is having our hearts stirred by what God is doing across the street and around the world. And we're hearing that things are happening. Our hearts are stirred, so why? We can join in mission with Jesus. Jesus has a mission. He said his mission, Jesus said this about himself, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. And during May, what we're trying to do in a, in a very focused way is stir ourselves up to get involved and to partner with what God is doing around the world um, by through ministries and what God's doing around the world through projects and what God is doing right here in our own family and with our friends. And in doing that last week, we looked at how, and this seemed a little, maybe you go, wow, how does this make sense? If I were reading the book, All Things New, we looked at how having a proper view of eternity will change how we get involved in mission today. That if we get a glimpse um, into our future in a new heaven and a new earth where our world will be renewed and our bodies will be renewed and restored, um, and that we will be what we were intended to be as people before sin and death entered the world, that if we get a glimpse of that, a glimpse into the promise of God that he will make all things new, and that in that new and eternal existence, we will live amazing, fulfilled, exciting lives, that when we grasp this truth, then how we live now will be affected. We won't need to, to live our lives in some kind of a frenzy trying to get everything done on a bucket list because we'll know that we will have all of eternity to experience real life, not sitting on a cloud playing a harp or a perpetual worship service. No, real life a million times better than anything we've ever experienced here in a sin-corrupted world living in a sin-corrupted body. That when we grasp the truth about a new heaven and a new earth and our new eternal lives with Jesus as his followers, then what will become the most important thing in our lives will be to spread the message of God's love to every single person we can in the world in order to make that future their future. Friends, that's what mission is. Now, we learned about this from a text that we looked at from Colossians chapter 1. So grab your Bibles. Turn back to Colossians chapter 1. I told you last week we looked at two verses. Today we're going to look at one verse of it. We'll read Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6 together. Matter of fact, if you, don't, if you, if you highlight in your Bible or you highlight in your little electronic gizmo there, um, highlight it. Because these verses right here, I promise you, if you, will, if you want, I have these verses printed out and hanging on my wall. These verses will change your life if you grasp what they say. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. Look what it says. It says, it's the Apostle Paul writing to the people in the city of Colossae, and he's saying this, We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to why he says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all people, all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And that's what we looked at last week. Look at it. It says your faith in Christ, so faith, and your love for people, love, come from or flow from hope 
of what you have reserved in heaven. So faith and love spring from hope. So if we understand heaven, the hope of heaven, we will have greater faith in Christ and we will have a greater reason and ability to love people today. He says, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Going on. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. And some of you say gospel there, of the gospel. This same good news, because gospel and good news mean the same thing, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Look at that verse 6. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it has changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. That's the verse, verse 6, that we just put up on the wall in the cafe by the frames that you're hanging your things on. The good news is going out all over the world and is changing lives. The good news about God's wonderful grace, it says. That good news that has changed the lives of so many people in this very room today. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about this good news, or your translation would say this gospel message, this good news. What is the message that is so powerful, according to Paul here, that it is, he says, is changing lives all over the world. He says there's a message of good news that is so powerful that is changing lives all over the world. What is the message that is so powerful that it could change the lives of your family? It could change the lives of your friends. It could change the lives of your coworkers. It could change the lives of your neighbors. What is the good news message? What would you say to someone... If you wanted to tell them the good news. We're trying to do this thing over this month to stir us up to say we have something valuable, the good news, and we want to share it. Well, do we ever think about what would I say to somebody to share the good news? I think I told you last week, studies say that only 5% of people who are followers of Jesus ever are a main player in seeing one person come to Christ in their entire life. It says 95% of Christians... Never experienced that. And there's studies say this, why? Because the 95% almost never share the good news. There's a saying that we like to popularize, and it's attributed to a, to a Christian of days gone by, and I try to do some research, and in my research, I find that he probably never said it, but it says something like this. It says, preach the gospel, and if all necessary, use words. It's attributed to Augustine, and um, research says he probably never really said that, and I would say this, I understand the heart of it, but it's a lie. It's wrong. It says to share. There's a good news message that we must share over the world. The reason that 95% of Christians never get the joy that Tony got to experience last week and that another young couple got to experience a week and a half ago is because they never share the gospel message with anybody or almost never do it. Because it's not 100% of the times you share the message with somebody that it's going to return fruit. But if you never share the message with somebody, you'll never be part of being able to lead somebody into the kingdom, which we just said, this good news changes lives, and we said it's Jesus' mission. And he's invited us on his mission. So if we don't know what to say, 
how can we partner in it? So, what would you say to someone if you wanted to tell them the good news? Well, today, I want to try to help us clarify that or understand this. And I'm not saying that what I'm going to share today is the only thing you can do. Matter of fact, what I'm going to share with you today, I never use myself personally, but it's a way that you could use, um, and it's very effective and catchy and, and easy to understand. I want to help us have a way that we could all share the good news message that is able, according to Paul here, to change lives, to take people from hopelessness to hope, from bondage to freedom, from self-hate to love. Think of that in this world today, self-hate. The good news message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that valuable thing that each of us carries with us every single day that we've been symbolizing by a $50 bill, that message that we have, the gospel, what is it? Now, I know anytime we try to boil down something very big and very complex into something very simple and manageable, that we run the risk of trying to turn something into a formula Um, something that we just memorize and spit out without any heart behind it, without any listening to the Holy Spirit's leading behind it. So I don't want to do that today, but I want to run that risk. And I want to spend a few minutes presenting the good news in a way that can help you better understand it yourself. And if you understand it yourself, then you can help explain it to someone else, which is what mission is. It's understanding the message and sharing it. The message of seeking and saving those who are lost. And we're going to use the word gospel to help us do this. I'm going to use something that some of you have heard before. Maybe some of you in youth group and in high school group have heard before. It's called life in six words. Who's ever heard of this before? Life in six words. A couple of you. So maybe a couple dozen of you. So six words that, that the first letter of each word spells gospel And all of you, when you came in today, if you grab the bulletin, you got a card that looks like this that you can keep in your wallet or your Bible or your purse. And what this is, is this is an explanation of very simple six words that represent six statements. And the six statements basically outline the basis of the gospel message. And we're going to go through these this morning. So that you can, you can do these, and if you didn't get a bulletin, you didn't get one, there's more out on the Connection Center table. You can get more of these cards. Um, and so let's look at it real quickly. Gospel, you know, uh, G-O-S-P-E-L. What does that represent, gospel? First letter, G, represents the word God. But it's not just a word, it's a phrase, it's a statement. So it's this, God created us to be with him. The first statement, God created us to be with him. Let me ask you a question, and most people, a lot of times, would answer this wrong. Do you know that God likes you? You know that God likes you? We often say, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him and Jesus will not perish but will have everlasting life. We say, that's truth. But here's the deal. You say, oh, God loves me, but do you know that God likes you? Do you know that God likes you just the way you are? You don't, you don't need to change to come to God. Probably one of the most effective things I think I've ever found in dealing with people is this concept of this, that God, um, that, that God uh, created us to be with him. That God likes us. He wants to be with him. He created our entire world for one reason, 
because he likes people and he created people and he wants to be in relationship with humankind. That's what we see in Genesis. God creating a wonderful world of abundance and blessing as a place to interact with mankind. So the first thing you want to help people understand is is God's not mad at them. That God created us to be with him. That God really likes you. G-O. O is for our, and it's this, the phrase is, our sins separate us from God. Now, I think we need to understand this, I think, properly, because I think some people misunderstand this. What they think is our sins separate us from God means that God is mad at you. That's not the case at all. You see, God made our world wonderful, and he put us in it so that we could be in relationship with him. But the very first man and woman and every person since has chosen to run away from that relationship. Adam and Eve chose to follow Satan instead of God. They chose sin. God said, do all this, but don't do that. The Satan said, do that. They chose to listen to Satan and not God. They chose to follow and listen to Satan over listening to God. And when God um, went to find them then, after they had sinned, where do we find Adam and Eve? Hiding. They're not running to God saying, oh God, I'm seeking after you. And God is running off somewhere going, oh, I'm too holy to look at you. That's what some people believe. They believe that sin makes God angry with them and that God says, oh, because you sinned, I'm running away. And that humankind is chasing after God for the rest of their lives. Not true at all. Adam and Eve sinned. They ran from God. But what do we find God doing? God chased after them. And so God chased that. Our sins, though, do separate us. Our sins break the relationship between man and God the way it was intended to be. Man now, because of sin in the world, man now lives under the curse of sin and death. God said, eat the fruit and you will die. And the death rate of humanity is hovering right around 100% right now. We all die. And so man now lives under the curse of sin and death. This curse moves man away from God, not God away from man. There's all a world of difference there. If you see it this way, God's mad at me and God's running away, you completely will misunderstand the gospel and you'll communicate it wrong to people. The idea is God loves you, God likes you, and God's chasing after you. When they understand, when you're sharing the gospel, you help somebody understand that God is chasing them, that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, like, the reason that you're talking to me today, the reason you gave me $50 today is because God is chasing me? When they get that instead of, well, God hates you and you're going to hell and you just need to, you just need to repent, and they go, what's, they don't even know what that means. The truth of the gospel is that God created us to be with him and our sin separates us, but that sin um, does not mean God's mad at us, but we have this curse in our life now and this curse moves mankind away from God. It doesn't make God mad at mankind, Rather, it brings separation between mankind and God, and mankind finds himself hiding behind a tree in the garden of their life. S. S stands for sin. The phrase this, sin cannot be removed by good deeds. When mankind chose to sin, it changed us. And this is what we got to understand. It's not that we just did something wrong. Mankind, sin didn't just make, say, I did something wrong that could be forgiven. Sin changed humankind. 
Scripture says sin gave us a sin nature. Every person since Adam has been born with a sin nature that is opposed to God. Nothing we can do can fix our sin nature. We can be religious, we can be generous, we can be kind, but none of those things can deal with our sin nature problem. The reality is, friends, we can't fix ourselves. We're a mess and we're separated and we can't fix ourselves. Remember what I said? God's not mad. He's not running. He's not hiding. He's chasing after us because P of the gospel is all about God chasing after us. Paying the price for sin, P, paying, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. You know, we couldn't fix our sin nature problem, but God could. When man chose to sin, the curse of sin and death ruled over mankind. So God in his great love for mankind fixed the problem himself. He came into our world as one of us, Jesus, the Son of God, and he did what we could not do. He lived a perfect, sinless life and then gave his life in our place Um, He died on the cross for us. He paid the penalty for sin. He paid all of that for all of mankind. And then he rose from the grave in victory. And you know what he did when he rose from the grave? So he paid the price for sin on the cross. But a lot of people want to stop there. No, you got to go three days later when he rose. Because you know what he did when he rose from the dead? He broke the curse of sin and death. He broke it. Here's the deal now. If Jesus is in your life, if, a, if your friend or family member accepts Jesus and honestly says, I want to live with Jesus, here's the reality. That Jesus sets you free from the curse of sin and death and you can now say no to sin. Do you know why Teen Challenge works? There's only one reason why Teen Challenge claims the highest freedom rate from drugs and alcohol. you know why? The Jesus factor. Because Jesus breaks it. Jesus sets you free. He died and rose again. You can try as long as you want on your own. Good luck. But Jesus sets us free. E, everyone, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it all. His last words on the cross, remember what they were? It is finished. Jesus' last words in the cross. He paid for and forgave the sins of mankind. He is not counting. In Corinthians it says, He is not counting our sins against us anymore when he talks about the message of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation that we have. And get this, if we're using gospel to share the gospel, the ministry of reconciliation says God is not counting people's sins against them anymore. What people want to say is to somebody, well, God's got this whole bunch of sins against you. No, he says he's not counting them anymore. Jesus paid for them. You're just telling somebody to come to Jesus now. So everyone who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life. Now he welcomes us to come to him, to trust in him, to look to him for forgiveness and wholeness and healing, to trust in him to, to, um, to, is to fully rely on him. And to accept him and ask him to forgive you. It's saying that I can't do it, Jesus. I need you. I trust in you. You know what trusting in Jesus is all about? It's honestly becoming a follower or an apprentice of Jesus Christ. A lot of people go to church. 
but they're not followers of Jesus Christ. A lot of people go to church. I went to church for years, and I was not an apprentice of Jesus Christ. What's an apprentice do? An apprentice is one who learns from someone who's gone, who's more skilled than them. And why? What's the goal? Is it just to learn their skills? No, it's to become like them. A follower of Jesus Christ, someone who comes to Christ is someone who says, God, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to become like you. I'm all in with you, Jesus. That's what an apprentice is. So anyone who trusts in Christ is saying, I'm going to be a devoted follower, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's trusting him alone. It's not going to church. It's not praying a prayer. It's following after Jesus. What's the L then in gospel? L, life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Life with Jesus isn't just about living someday with a resurrected body and a new heaven and new earth, although that's why we're reading the book, because we learned that the book, All Things New This Month, because if you understand that out there, Paul says it'll change how you live today, because you won't live for today, you'll live for then, because that is so much better, and today you'll just spend your life primarily saying, how do I help people come to know Jesus? And so it's not just about that, it's also about living in his kingdom today. When we are in Christ, we come into his kingdom um, where he rules and he reigns. We live under his protection and his provision. And we join with him in his mission to seek and to save others who are lost without him. When we're, when we're with him, it starts now. We live in his kingdom today. When I live here right now, I establish the kingdom of God wherever I put my feet Because he is my king and I live in his kingdom. When you go to work and you're the only Christian there, you establish the kingdom of God. It's why God doesn't want us to live in cloistered worlds. He doesn't want us to say, go live in a monastery. He wants you in a place where people don't know Jesus because you establish the kingdom in that place and you share the good news. That's his plan to change the world. The gospel is going out all over the world, Paul says. How? Not through a megaphone from God, but from people like you and me going to work in factories and on farms and in colleges and saying, I establish the kingdom of God here because my life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. I'm part of his kingdom today. And friends, understand something. Life in the kingdom is meant to be an adventure. Life in the kingdom, what I hope you found, this is what I'm hearing people say over the last three weeks with the $50. They're going, this is really fun. I'm looking, I walk around going, where can I share this? I'm at Goodwill, and I'm buying something, and the person in front of me doesn't have enough money to pay for their clothes, and something inside of you says you should do that. And you go, I'll pay for that. I have something valuable. Friends, that's the attitude we have. With the gospel. Because why? Because we live in the kingdom now and the kingdom extends forever. We follow his lead. It's an adventure. We follow his lead, taking risks that he invites us into as we trust in Jesus. Gospel. That's what the gospel in six words, that's in a nutshell, those six phrases. Any one of us could talk about those six phrases. I just did it in about, what, 10, 15 minutes. I just talked through it, and I added a lot more to it than just the one phrase. Tried to kind of flesh it out for you a little bit. So when our text from Colossians says, the good news is going out everywhere and is changing lives everywhere, this is the message that brings the change. 
It's the message of who Jesus is and what he has done for humanity, who Jesus is and what he's done for you. What's he done in your life? What's he done for each of us? It's beyond just a message, though. It's actually coming into relationship with Jesus himself because what do we know about the grave on Easter? It's empty. It's empty. Why? Because Jesus is... He's alive. He rose from the, from the grave. And so um, we, we know that. So it's beyond just a message. It actually is coming into relationship with Jesus who is alive by his spirit. He actually lives inside of us and that changes everything. So you're inviting a person to know the one who is the message. Now our text from Colossians says this. It says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. And our missions month is all about us partnering with the Lord in spreading his message everywhere, globally. That's our point. It's about joining what God is doing everywhere, globally. That means to the people of Port Washington, when, when they said go to, to the ends of the earth, when Paul, when it was written in Acts by Luke, Quoting Christ, go to the ends of the earth. Guess where the ends of the earth were, is? Port Washington. When I lived in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, UP, I was, so one of the translations says, go to the uttermost parts of the earth. I said, it's the UP, the uttermost parts. UP, don't get any further than that. I always told people, you can't, this might not be the edge of the world, but you can see it from here. Friends, we are the end of the world. So it's important to take the good news to Port Washington, but guess what? It's also important to take it to the Philippines because they need to hear it. And it's also important to take it back to Jerusalem where it started from. Everywhere is the word. Everywhere is God's plan. Everywhere is God's mission. And I think we get this around here. And we participate basically in this mission in two ways. We go. You know, we explain the gospel to our families and our friends. We lead them to Christ in garages. I think it's Josh. No, I think it's a kid's church. Josh Elfline, I'm pretty sure his brother Chris led him to Christ on a Thanksgiving in his garage. I bet you Josh and Lark are happy about that. Are you happy about that? Right? In his garage on a Thanksgiving day. It happens in garages. It happens in nursing homes. It happens in living rooms all over the place. So we, we go. We explain the gospel to our families and our friends um, wherever we can go, wherever we can put our feet. But we don't just stop there. Because the Bible doesn't say we stop there. It also says we give. We go and we give. What does that mean? We support those who are ministering in places and to people that are outside of our reach. People like we had two weeks ago, Bob McKay. You know what we committed to? I did for our, us. We're paying to build the Bible college in the hometown of where Stalin was born. He talked about that. Joseph Stalin, the man who said he would destroy every Christian in the then Soviet Union, he would destroy everyone and he, the only Bible would be the museum. He's dead and gone, but they're building a Bible college in his hometown right now. And I said, Bob, we're paying for that Bible college. We did part of it three weeks ago, took an offering. We're going to do it this year. We're going to pay the rest of it. 
We're going to establish a Bible college for the assemblies of God where there's not one at all in Joseph Stalin's hometown. That's what we're going to do. We're doing that this year because that's what God wants us to say. Don't just go. He's saying extend it. And the way we extend it is we, we give. So we go and we give. So we go. We go to our local park and we do movie in the park. And you say, what's that all about? You know what movie in the park is all about? Movie in the park is about dozens and dozens of volunteers. If you've never volunteered, you need to volunteer. Don't just come and watch the movie unless you're coming to watch the movie because you're bringing somebody with you. But volunteers, so we come with dozens of people. We spend thousands of dollars on that event. You say, Thousands of what everything costs. Jump houses and fees for the movies. Thousands of dollars. Why? For three years, we've built, built goodwill with this community. This city administration now contacts us and say, well, they just put a sign up in the park, I believe completely because, with the name of the park, because when we asked to have a movie in that park, the alderman said, there's no park there. That's not even a park. They have now put up a sign called the Meadows Park, Right across from my house. We picked it because it's across from my house so I can reach my neighbors. They now put a sign up to, in, in indicating it's the park after three years. And guess what we're doing this year after three years of building goodwill? And giving them free hot dogs and giving them free popcorn and whatever else? This year, every 10 minutes, we're having a gospel presentation done for kids. Pastor West will be doing it through juggling and different stuff. The gospel. Took three years to earn it. So you know what? We go. We do things like moving the park. You go to people in your own homes. You go to places that work. And you tell the people about Jesus. But we go other places. We go to places like Mexico and build homes for for poor people and and add a a second level onto a pastor's house who has nothing. We go to Moldova and we build a, we build a, um, a, 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 we finish out a building where girls who would normally go into prostitution and sex trafficking have a safe place to come and live and be discipled for Jesus Christ. One of our objectives of our missions month is to encourage each of us to ask basically two questions. It's this. God, where should I go? And God, what should I give? I think that's a question, that's a question that every one of us needs to ask ourselves every day, really. Where should I go and what should I give is an everyday attitude of Christianity. We a lot of times get up, go through our day and end the day and realize, I never even thought about God. God designed us to be part of his mission. We're in his kingdom to say, where should I go and what should I give? That $50 is supposed to help you understand that. We're not only asked where we should go, but what should we give from the resources that God has blessed us with? So I want to explain kind of quickly here, and we're, we're way later than I thought right now, because I don't want to cut this short, so I'm going to take 10 more minutes to explain something. I want to explain how we understand this around here, because I think sometimes it gets a little muddy and people don't understand. We basically understand our giving around here as two-bucket giving. I'm going to explain. Two buckets. Everything we give in our church is basically goes into two buckets. One bucket, if you can read that, is our tithes. You know what tithe means? Somebody tell me. Ten percent. You know what? I had a guy one time, I, maybe I told you this. We were building a church building, first time ever, first building we ever built that are planting a church. And, uh, and the inspector was coming through and he was talking about how, you know, he went to church once and, you know, and he knew everything about the Bible though and I knew nothing and he's expecting, I had, I couldn't say anything to him because so he's expecting my boiler and I had to make sure he passed it. So I wanted him to make sure he was really smart and I really liked him so he'd say yes. And, uh, and he goes, you know what, this tithing business. He goes, I don't mind tithing. 
But who are those pastors to believe that they should say, and you should tithe 10%? And I said, uh, do you know what half means? That's what's half mean? Half means 50%. I said, do you know what a quarter means? A quarter means 25%. I said, you know what tithe means? I said, tithe means 10%. The word tithe means 10%. That's what it is. It's not a translation. It just means tithe is like saying quarter means 25%. Tithe means 10. That's what the word means. And so the one bucket that we have here is our tithes. You know what our tithes go for? The first 10% of our increase is called first fruits in the Bible. The first 10%, and some of you aren't there yet, I understand. But you know what? Some of you are working, some of you, a lot of our people give the first 10%. It's our tithe. Matter of fact, we're only here today because of tithing. And the, doing buildings and paying light bills and having staff and all that, that comes out of this bucket. Everything we do as a church comes out of this bucket. All the maintenance that we do, all this money we had to spend for the work day yesterday, we had to buy materials, all comes out of this bucket. It's the tithe. The Bible says the tithe was to operate the ministry of the, of the temple. So we're the New Testament version of temple is the church. So the tithe is one bucket. So the tithe, God's plan is that every follower of his would give the first 10% of their money to the tithe bucket. Now studies say there's nowhere near that, but as a, as a church, we're actually better than a lot. But we give 10% to the tithe bucket. And, and if you're not there yet, work towards it. Here's the deal. I understand if you come to Christ midlife and you're, you're spending more than you make, you, you say, I can't do that. You begin to change your lifestyle. You begin to build margin into your life. One of the ways margin is you say no to some things to say yes to others. You build financial margin in your life so you can do what God asks you to do. And here's the deal. When you fill this bucket with your 10%, I promise you, God blesses you in ways you never believed were possible. I told stories on Wednesday night of miracles that God has done in our life. Miracles. And I believe it all comes from this. That God's saying this. It's the only time in the Bible God ever says, test me. The, the Bible says, don't test God. But the only time it says, test them, he says, go ahead and bring your tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't pour out an abundant blessing on you, more than you can even control. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you and I'll pour out an abundant blessing. This isn't about, when I say that, it's not about funding ministry of the church. It's about you walking in obedience and the right, right place so that you're blessed by God. So the economies go up and economies go down. And you know what? When they go down, I don't want to depend on anything but God. So if I'm tithing all the time, I'm filling the bucket all the time. The ministry then has money to pay for what it's supposed to pay for. It's why around here we don't do fundraisers. You know the only fundraiser? When I got here, I stopped every fundraiser. I've never allowed them. People go, how are we going to pay for Royal Rangers when we had it back then? How are we going to pay for this? I said, tithes. The only fundraisers we do are for one thing, for expanding the kingdom. It's mission, and we'll talk about that in a minute. All the operation of the church comes out of this. Every, every book we buy for kids' church, everything we spend on, on helping kids, you know, everything that we pay for comes out of this bucket for maintaining the ministry of Portview Church. That's the one bucket. But there's another bucket in script. So this bucket, we're going to change the name of this a little bit um, because it's going to talk about kingdom expansion. We're going to begin to refer to this as kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is about kingdom expansion. So we talk, matter of fact, you'll have new envelopes in a few weeks in your church. It's just going to say there's giving for tithe, general fund. There's giving for kingdom builders. And we did, so you wouldn't be confused, said in the parenthesis, mission. And so that, that kingdom builders 
is about expanding the kingdom of God everywhere. And we do it in all kinds of ways. You know how we expand the kingdom around here? Every single month, we send a check to Teen Challenge. Hundreds of dollars every month. It all only comes out of this. It doesn't come out of this. If it's not in this bucket, we don't send it. You know what? We support City on the Hill. City on the Hill is a great ministry in the central, central city of, of Milwaukee that is reaching people that almost no one else is reaching with the gospel. You know what? We support church planting through our district. And you know what I believe we're supposed to? I believe in the future we're supposed to actually start to do a couple branch churches that will all come out of this. You know what else we support every month? We support Spencer Lake. Um, do you like Spencer Lake, Hannah, a graduate? No one posts on Facebook more about Spencer Lake than you. Has Spencer Lake changed your life? Yes. Spencer Lake is about kingdom expansion. A lot of people come, come to Christ at Spencer Lake, and then they also get called in the ministry of Spencer Week, find their mates at Spencer Lake. It's about kingdom expansion. Don't find your mate at Spencer Lake. <laughs> Yet. Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope is the Assemblies of God arm. It's a huge ministry. So this year we gave money to Convoy of Hope for hurricane disaster relief in Houston. Convoy of Hope. It's one of the greatest ministries that's functioning, and we need to fund them more than we do. Mission projects. This is going to be um, when we build things like go to Moldova and we build houses or um, things for, for, for orphan girls. Um, movie in the park. Thousands of dollars. That doesn't come out of here. It comes out of here. It comes out of our mission account. Habitat for Humanity. I, you guys celebrated and applaud a few weeks ago. We just committed, we're the first church to commit to the, to a church, um, build that's going to be in Grafton or Port Washington. They haven't determined it yet. We just committed $5,000. We wrote a checkout a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago for $5,000 to Habitat for Humanity saying we're all in expanding because it's a faith-based organization and we're going to partner with them and our, we're going to get to work on the thing. Now it got postponed a little bit because other churches aren't on board and they don't have the money. So we're going to get pushed back a little bit, but we're going to get some habitat maintenance projects this year coming up that we're going to get to partner with. Um, Speed the Light and BGMC. That's our kids' areas for missions. So all that's under habitat, under kingdom builders. So that when we do a pancake breakfast and you go, you know what? I could eat a better breakfast going to the truck stop. But you stay here and you eat a pancake because the cutest little kids with aprons serve you and they're saying a big bucket out there that says, just put in money. You put in more money than you ever would for breakfast. You know why? We're teaching our kids to do this. You want to hear something interesting? I just listened to a person who was, who was talking about, about a missions giving. And they talked to the woman, if I get this right, her husband is the head of 3M in Minneapolis, and she is a professional nonprofit fundraiser. I, I think they said something like she had raised 300 million last year or 300 million total for, for nonprofit giving. You know what she found in doing studies? The number one reason that she was talking about um, high capacity donors, how come they give? The number one might not be true to anybody you know, but the number one reason why they give what they give they give what they give because of their parents' influence in their life. These are business owners with hundreds of millions of dollars, and they give what they give because of what their parents instilled in their lives. Do you think BGMC and Speed the Light are important? If the number one reason a high-capacity high donor gives millions of dollars to nonprofits, you know what the, number, the, reason, the main reason wasn't? What the, what the organization accomplished. It was that they gave to something because their parents instilled giving into their lives. You know what else we give to? Um, the Faith That Works Project. We just took $5,000 to give you $50 bills. Well, that didn't just come out of clear air. It came out of this 
fund. We had to look and say, do we have any money left in our mission fund to do it, in our kingdom builders fund? Character counts. You know that our church is the only church that funds Character Counts, which is a ministry in, in Port Washington and Sockville that's through the schools on developing character traits in your children at school and public schools. We're the only church that gives money towards that. We've done it for years. And so we have, so Pastor Paul was in the committee and Pastor West, and by the way, I found out because we, we had a meeting the other day, he has been to the meetings, he just missed one. So our, so one of, so our pastor, Pastor West, is on that committee for Character Counts. It keeps going. There's community support and things. Vacation Bible School. We're doing Vacation Bible School. It's going to cost us a lot of money. We've got to kick in the coffers to pay for all the stuff that's going to go on for VBS. Divorce care. We reach people every year. Well, what do you think it costs to buy all the materials and do the advertising? We pay for that out of this. And you know what? You know what the biggest bucket of this is? It's our missionary support. You want to know something? There's all kinds of things that I believe we're still supposed to do. Um, Special touch. We don't support special touch. We have them coming in, but guess what? We only have so much money. We don't support special touch, which is an incredible ministry to help people with disabilities. We don't support them. Um, church camps, we support them, but they're always needing more money. Um, grief share. I believe we're supposed to have a grief share ministry. It takes money to do it and people to do it. Some of these things, God's talking to you right now and saying, I want to be part of that ministry. You need to be. Human trafficking, there's a new ministry that's been around for a while in Milwaukee that's Assemblies of God pastor and his wife that Suzanne was, was, was made aware of that they're um, targeting human trafficking. And Milwaukee, they claim Milwaukee is the headquarters for human trafficking for all of the United States of America. This Milwaukee is the headquarters. We need to do something about it. We need to support those ministries. They can't do it if people aren't supported to do it. So this bucket is all about kingdom expansion. So, here's a letter from the Port Washington Fire Department EMS because because of your giving in this bucket. We just bought flashlights, some certain kind of flashlight that they needed um, for our EMS for active shooter situations. You guys bought those for the church, for the fire department and they, they got, I got this letter last week from back from them. Um, you guys paid for this week the woman's shelter. We're, the ladies on Wednesday nights in the Just Women group, we're going to, they're going to make some food for the woman's shelter, the woman's abuse shelter. And so we made a contact with them and said, what do they want? And they said, well, yeah, thanks for doing it then, but we literally have zero food in our freezer right now. You went out, you filled the freezer of the woman's shelter this Thursday, this Thursday. Sam, my daughter-in-law went shopping for it, and you guys paid for the woman's shelter freezer to be filled. That comes out of this bucket. Here's the deal. We, we go, but we give. And if every one of us simply asks that question, where should I go and what should I give? I believe, I'm not going to try to twist your arm. People say churches talk about money. We don't talk about money hardly at all around here. We're the only church on the planet that takes one offering a week. Because we just try to teach it. This is what the Bible says. And we talk about it being a celebration and being positive. But here, we get to change the world. I believe this, to whom much is given, much is required. And we have been given much in our, in our world. And so I believe that we are, are supposed to be a blessing. And I'll end with this because I've gone way over. But here's this. This is what I've learned in my life. Generosity precedes abundance. Hear what I say. Generosity precedes abundance. Over and over in Scripture, the widow has nothing. She chooses to give it away and God gives more. 
in my life, I could tell you dozens and dozens of stories. But, you know, one was, was really interesting, and I'll just really quickly, some of you know that one reason that we got in the house that we were in at one time that allowed us to, that, that was sold, to buy a couple other properties was because somebody said God woke them up and said to put Suzanne in her dream house. But you don't know what ha- the backstory of that, of that story. You know what the backstory was? We were moving here from Michigan. Housing was crazy expensive. We bought a little tiny duplex because the only thing we could afford. We could live in one side, rent out the other side. And we're in that, and at that time, we had back and forth had custody of Suzanne's one niece for years. Well, the mom called up in the middle of the night, said the kids haven't eaten for days. Mom was a drug dealer, a drug addict and drug dealer. Dad was a drug addict and drug dealer. I don't think Dad was probably in jail at the time or prison at the time. Ivan fed him in days. We cooked the boys, packed them in our station wagon in the middle of the night, drove to Madison, picked these girls up in the middle of the night, brought them home, and I'm driving, and I'm saying to myself, I could take you to spot in Grafton, and I'm saying, God... How can I do this? This house is tiny. I've already got three, you know, four people in it. The tiny little bedrooms. How can I put two more girls in this house? And I don't even have money to pay for them. I can't pay for my own kids. And as clear as a bell, the Lord said to me, you take care of the kids and I'll take care of the house. It was days later, I get a phone call from a guy in a different city who hadn't seen me in 20 years and says, hey, come to my house. I have a message from God for you. And that man put an $80,000 deposit down on a house. I said, is it even legal? I had to work with an accountant to make it work. He had to gift it to me and to my kids and to Suzanne and do it over multiple years to make it legal. He had $80,000 just cash, boom. God told me to do it, put it down on a house. He said, he had one stipulation. He said, I got to approve the house. He said, because I know you, Mark, you'll live in crap. Exactly what he said to me. So I say, house, he said, no, not good enough. No, not good enough. And he said, yes, that one's good enough. Generosity precedes abundance. I had to say, yes, God, I'll take two more girls into my house that I can't afford to pay for, and I don't even have room for them. And God says, I'll talk to a guy in a different state or a different, different city hours away. I'll talk to him, and he'll, he will do some crazy thing and give this gigantic lump of, lump of money to you in order to allow you to have those girls in a different house. And so, friends, generosity opens the door to abundance. It's not the other way. So people think, well, when I have money, then I'll give. I'll tell you this. It doesn't work that way. Generosity opens the door. Generosity precedes abundance. Now, I just want us to ask this at this time of this, of this mission month, of this kingdom builder month. Where's God asking you to go and what's God asking you to give? In your bulletin today, you got a faith promise card. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do with it. I want you to ask that question. Where's God asking you to go and what's he asking you to give? And if you feel like we know, we've been all month asking ourselves and praying, and we have a number we're going to write on this thing. And what you do is you write your number on here. You can take a little tab, remember what you're committed to. No one ever call you about this. And when you leave today, the ushers are at the back door. You can just drop that in the bucket. Just drop it in the bucket. And that's between you and God. But it helps us to see what can we commit to. You know what? We got a crazy goal this year because I really think it's what we're supposed to do. Last year in this bucket, we gave about $75,000. I think we're supposed to go to 20% above our general fund giving, which would put this up to $100,000. 100% of this money goes to this stuff. And I just think we're supposed to do that. I think, I, personally, I think it's only a starting place. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to you know, ask the Lord to help us have the revenue to increase all of these and pick all these things up. But it only comes through this. 
And when this thing is empty, we can't do anymore. And so I don't want you to feel pressured by me. I want you to look at the opportunity that's before us and say, Lord, where can I go and what should I give so that we can extend, this is all about kingdom expansion, expand the kingdom to people who yet do not know Jesus. That's what it's all about. So let me just close with this one thing. So if you're ready to fill those out, fill them out, pass them at the end. Otherwise, over the next few weeks, turn these in anytime into an offering basket. There's more of these available at the Welcome Center if you didn't get one. Let me close with this. And I know we're like 15 minutes late. Maybe you're here today, and maybe for the first time in your life you heard this gospel message spelled out the way it is, explained to you today. And you're saying, I need my life changed. You're saying, I'm the one you're trying to reach. Well, that's why we're here. And you're saying, I need Jesus in my life, and he's not, and I don't have him. He's here for you today. So I'm going to close in prayer this morning. And if that's you today, I'm going to just lead in a prayer. I'm just going to pray this prayer. I'm not going to ask you the rest of the church to pray it out loud. Just lead in a prayer. And I want you to just pray this prayer to yourself, something like this, and welcome Jesus into your life. So pray, join with me in prayer this morning, church family. Jesus, thank you that you love us so much, love us so much that you've come to us. Thank you, Jesus, you love us so much that you're here today. You love us so much that you are the one who said you would build the church and, and the gates of hell would not prevail against, would not withstand the assaults of the church. Now, Lord, there's some people in here, maybe, who are saying, I don't yet know you. And so if there's anybody like that today, just welcome the Lord in your heart. Say something like this. Jesus, I know that I need you. And today, I ask you to come into my life. Thank you that you've been chasing after me. I'm going to stop running now. Come into my life Forgive me of my sins. I don't want to run anymore. Matter of fact, Lord, right now, I'm going to turn around and face you and tell you I need you and welcome you into my life. So Jesus, I need you and I accept you and I want to begin to follow you from this day forward. Thank you.